Hey guys, welcome to Hope It Helps. My guest today has had quite an interesting career. Growing up in Abu Dhabi, she had always wanted to become a doctor and after high school moved back to her home country Sudan where she completed her degree and received her medical license. After working there for a few years, she discovered that her true passion actually lies in educating others. So she wanted to find a new path where she could combine her background in the medical field with her love for education and started working as a medical trainer for healthcare providers where she stayed for nine years. Back in 2017, she wanted to make a change in her career, and as a result of her experience being a professional mentor at work and helping others, she was then motivated to enter the coaching industry and become an NLP coach where she could make an even greater impact in people's lives. During this episode, we discussed her journey to becoming an NLP coach. She shares with us her knowledge and expertise regarding starting a coaching business. And we talk about the importance of self-talk and learning to be kinder to ourselves in order to find true happiness. Her transition from being a doctor to an NLP coach has provided her with quite a unique perspective and a holistic approach on how to assess and support the needs of her clients. And as a result, she's been able to create an incredibly successful coaching business and transform the lives of so many people and have the impact she has always wanted. Please welcome to the show, the amazing Dr. Ayat Mekki. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you and thank you for the invitation and I hope it helps. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I hope so too. I'm sure I'm sure we're going to have a really good time, have a great conversation. So I'm really excited about this. Um, I love your experience and the work that you do. So I really wanted to talk to you. I think a lot of people could learn, you know, from the work you do and, you know, from your experience. So I wanted to start at the beginning actually so i understand that you're a, you're a doctor so how did you get it have you always been passionate about medicine is that something that's always been a part of your life and just walk us through that journey and we'll take it from there all right so that's going way back into the past <laughs> so uh yes no i'll gladly speak about it i um i got into medicine because at the time it was something that i wanted to do and it was also something that I was encouraged to do by my parents since I was, you know, um, a good candidate to enter medical school. So I sure. did. And I did at a very young age. I actually started medical school at the age of uh, 16. Uh, actually, wow. I turned 16 my first year of medical school. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm That's not a prodigy by any means. <laughs> I'm not. I just, you know, I just was very young. I started very young. And at that time, you know, growing up here in Abu Dhabi, like when I started school, I was really, really young. So three years old. And, you know, at that time, like it, it wasn't very strict about, you know, entering school at a, you know, like a, at five or six years old. So that's what, that's where it helped me in my journey. And I studied medicine in Sudan, which is my home country. And I, you know, worked there and then I came back to Abu Dhabi, to the UAE, worked here. And then I realized medicine is not for me. <laughs> I realized <Okay>. that <laughs> this is not, I, I realized that I have a passion for education. And I loved, even during medical school and during, and in, even after medical school, like I was very, I was heavily involved in, you know, uh, continuing medical education, in training others and speaking and lecturing. So I was like, you know, there must be something that I can do to merge both worlds. Mm -mm. Yeah, for sure. So basically what I did is I searched and searched for what it is that I can do. And I found this um, 
completely new field to me at the time that was about medical education for the healthcare providers. And it was like a perfect match for me. <laughs> so um, I started in that world and I continued and I um, continued in it for like nine years where I was a trainer, a faculty member and a trainer for uh, doctors and nurses and all healthcare providers basically. And this is what gave me also the confidence to speak in front of people because, you know, at, you know, at any given point, I would have a minimum of 20 people in the room <clears throat> that I'm speaking to and I'm training people who can be way more experienced than I, than I am, way older than I am. So it really gave me the confidence. And we all know that confidence is a skill. So this really sure. helped me uh, a lot. And I got to meet amazing people. I met two of my mentors in that field. And one of them was a businesswoman. So I got all my business experience from her as well uh, when I started my own business. And then in 2016, that journey has ended for me. And I decided, okay, so now I'm at a point where I get to start again. So what is it that I want to do? and it was coaching okay i was like <laughs> and believe it or not i was never a believer in self-development <laughs> that is surprising that's not I what i'd expect to hear <laughs> i never read like self-help books i was very logical being a medical doctor you know gave me that like it's all about the science it's all about the logic always like very in my brain only left brain <laughs> oriented <laughs> <laughs> and I remember like I have a sister who's you know was a very avid reader of self-development from a very long young young age and when she brought along the secret I was like you know what like in my inside of me I was like that's just not you know like I don't believe in any of that stuff like you know what do you mean like you can attract stuff to your life you work hard for it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> exactly I can't just wish for it and it's gonna fall into my lap exactly so to me that was all like very woo woo you know <laughs> mm -mm, yeah for sure <laughs> and uh, so basically from for someone who was like literally that to go into coaching. I, I did a lot of mentoring and coaching in my own job. And, you know, I was like, I did professional mentoring and I was quite fond of that aspect of the job. I really loved it. I was very passionate about it. So with coaching, I was like, okay, so people already come to me for advice. Why not make it something official and go and get, you know, the qualifications that, you know, give me that credibility. So that's what I did. I started my coaching journey in 2017 and I started with NLP because it spoke to me as a medical doctor. <laughs> it spoke to me with, you know, like the neuro-linguistic programming. It seemed very, you know, um, scientific. So, uh, and that's when I began. I, I was taught NLP by Dr. Richard Bandler, who's the co-founder of NLP. Yeah, yeah. I, he's just an incredible man. I, and he's all about, you know, happiness and people. 
and uh, you know uh, it's taught me a lot like NLP really taught me how to rewire you know the brain change habits but most importantly the one thing that I really love about NLP is the language is how to use language effectively uh, you know how you're able to influence people in a very um, you know authentic way speaking their language which yeah, resonates yeah. with them the most mm. So um, basically, yeah, so I, I trained with Dr. Uh, Richard in London. And then I, you know, once I got the hang of the NLP practitioner and then master practitioner, I decided I would really love to be a trainer. And in a way that was me paying homage to who I am as a trainer previously in my previous career. So it's kind of like a full circle moment. <laughs> sure, sure. So everything kind of came together at that point. Yeah, and since 2017, like literally two days after I received my coaching certificate, I started my business and I started getting paid clients. And before going to training school, I told everybody, I'm becoming a coach, and I lined up my clients. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, getting people ready before, you know, as you're getting the qualifications, right? Exactly, because to me it was, you know, people already have you know, come to me for advice over the years. And I was like, you know, so if I tell them that I'm going to get certified for this, then they must want to come and, you know, try it, become clients. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. My story in a nutshell. You mentioned, you know, your experience and your journey and so on. But I wanted to, and you mentioned why you pivoted for the you went from medical school, then you decided you went from being a doctor to get into education as well. So what was it about medicine that you didn't like in the end? Why was it not for you? Um, part of me really was saddened and affected by the client coming to the doctor as the last stage. You know, as the, because when, 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 another client, a patient, I mean, so when a patient comes, you know, to the hospital, they're, they're coming because they have symptoms and, you know, ranging from the simplest or, you know, like the, the, the least, um, bothersome of diseases to, you know, uh, cancers and the, the worst, you know, illnesses, it really played, a, like, it, it really took a toll on me as a you know as a human and in my head i was thinking there must be something you know out there that is better for me to do and that i can actually keep my happiness keep my positivity and you know still do it you know where i can actually help people in a way in the medical field but not in this you know um in the hospital or the patient doctor capacity um, I realized that it affected me and I, and I didn't really love, because at some point you have to detach, right? As you know, when you're doing something as a doctor, like when you're treating patients, you have to find it in yourself to detach from the human aspect of it almost so that you can treat that patient so that you don't get into the feelings with them. And I'm an empath. So being an empath really just took a toll on me. I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't see the suffering, especially, you know, when it's children, I couldn't see the suffering and just, you know, uh, be okay about my day. You know, I was not able to detach fully. And this is when I decided, you know, like it's, it's time for me to just, uh, re, you know, resign from this completely. Yeah. 
and I think you made a very good point that you have, to, as a doctor, you have to be able to make that, uh, you know, to detach from, you know, those emotions and those feelings because you're dealing with, you know, sick people all the time and a range of like illnesses and, you know, some some are curable, some are not. And I think you made a very good point that when you're coming to the doctor, typically, like you said, it's that last resort. You know, it's like you're coming to you for that last cure instead of and the work you do now as a coach is about building all the things and working with a client or a patient way before needing to even get there. So you can probably have a bigger effect beforehand and, and maybe prevent going to that last resort to that doctor if you need to. Absolutely. And this is exactly what, you know, what I discovered when I started NLP is that disease disease is technically disease right you know it starts as a thought and it's you know it just keeps on going and festering and looping in your in your mind until it manifests in physical ailment you know ailments um you know stress is the biggest killer and this is something that we've been taught in medical school like stress is the number one reason people die in the world because it causes heart attacks it causes stroke strokes it you know all illnesses come from stress so if i'm able to have that client and work on their stress management strategies then i'm definitely able to help them before they reach that stage where it manifests as you know disease so definitely that's one you know one of the things that i fascinated me about coaching yeah it's being able to i think you i love the way you put it that disease is dis-ease i've no one's ever said it to me like that before but you're so that's so true you just you know you're not comfortable and it all comes like you said from a place of stress so being able to have that impact on someone and help them manage their stress in the long term you know in the short term it's beneficial but if you can create a plan or a transformation in someone that enables them to manage the stress better in the long term it's just going to be so much better for them yes absolutely yeah yeah you worked at uh, unity for six years i remember you mentioned that you know you worked in the medical field and you were training a lot of people i had to do some research and understand what acls and bls was because i had no idea what it was so advanced cardiac life support and basic life support so how was that experience? You said you were passionate about, you know, training people and educating them. Where does that passion come from and how was that experience for you? Because um, I'm very fond of education in general and those courses that are, you know, advanced cardiac life support and uh, neonatal resuscitation, pediatric advanced life support and basic life support is something that each and every healthcare provider in the UAE you know, specifically and in the world in general have to be uh, certified on because this is how to resuscitate people whose hearts have stopped cardiac arrest. So for children, for adults, for neonates and in the neonatal, for example, like for neonates, it's when they're born when and the the heart is not beating, you know, so I taught doctors and nurses and respiratory therapists and you know like all those in the healthcare field how to do that it was a um you know the advanced courses were you know multiple days and the basic course is a one-day course and i used to train trainers on those courses as well there are many accrediting bodies in the world but the one that i was a faculty uh, you know member in is the american heart association 
Okay, and you're still you're still a member of that association now, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Uh, I've actually, com- you know, I believe in new like new beginnings. So I've completely, you know, removed myself from that. I still stay up to date and update myself. I'm still in touch with you know a lot of them, but um, I no longer uh, train. Train, yeah. Now, after not after leaving medicine and all the work that you've done as a coach and stuff, do you ever reflect back and do you have a new perspective or perception on medicine or is it still as it was when you left it? Um, My perception now has shifted into thinking that nothing is just logical. Not everything is, is only logical. There is definitely an element of magic and an element of the unknown and that we you know as people i've always been a positive person and as or so i've been told but you know i i was very scientific driven and to discover that with coaching and with with positive thinking so many people you know magically it seems magically actually heal themselves so now there's this part of me that thinks that we can marry both worlds you know, all doctors can actually learn a lot from NLP. If they take it. They can definitely help their parent, their patients. You know, uh, reframe their states of mind, reframe their thinking, and have hope. And but at, at the same time, not false hope. It's actually, um, you know, the other day there was this amazing documentary that uh, is ten parts. And in that documentary, they have scientifically proven, it's actually called proven, they've scientifically proven that alternative healing methods do work in healing traditional diseases. So now more than ever, both worlds can actually have a very happy marriage, you know, medicine and positive thinking, NLP, uh, healing, alternative healing, energy healing, all of those. Now I know that it is not just sometimes we don't know what we don't know. And it is, you know, this is something that I just keep reinforcing in my life every day. Like every day is a new date, a new opportunity to learn new things. And um, yeah, so to answer your question, reflecting back, I think, you know, I had a narrow mindset and now i have a much more open mindset okay okay that's really interesting uh i think the point that you mentioned about all these other i guess um what would you call them more holistic approaches to to healing you know things like nlp things like visualization like all those things energy as well um I can imagine, like you said, as a doctor who is, you're trained on the science and you're trained, you know, if this happens, if A A happens, we do B as a response. And with this whole, I guess, other other side of, you know, healing and medicine, it's very hard to make, to start, you know, making that. I guess what's the word like breaking that system or that logic that you we have we have in our brains. One quote that I always that I always loved is. And I I really like took it to heart because it's like just because you don't understand something doesn't mean it's not true. And th- and every time I don't understand something and my brain's like, nope, don't believe that. I don't believe that. I try to remember that quote just to be like, OK, you don't understand it. That doesn't mean it's not true. So maybe I guess it keeps you curious. It keeps you moving forward. But when you were making that transition into a coach and taking the NLP course, 
what were the biggest challenges that you faced actually going through the NLP course? Because that's something I thought was really interesting. I've taken my own um, online NLP course, and I'm just about to start my uh, certifications in something called rapid transformational therapy. So I'm beginning my coaching journey. So I'm beginning my coaching journey as well. But I'd like to hear from you. How is it going through the course? Uh, how is it working with Richard Bandler? I, like He's the one who started all this, so it must have been amazing. Yeah, it was definitely an amazing journey. It was challenging because I never knew that I had to actually go and revisit parts of myself that I left in the past. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, just by having to confront those parts of yourself, you know, I was somebody who would be considered like a high achiever, someone who was very driven, uh, very, you know, negative self-talk when it comes to, you know, self self-inflicted um you know harm almost like the, the language i spoke to myself was very harsh um i was often someone who would you know tell myself you know what keep going keep going like don't get into your feelings about it you know i wasn't very kind to myself at, at all and having to revisit all of those parts of yourself that you don't really stop to think about was very challenging I remember during my first course, like there were so many breakdowns and breakthroughs. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Sounds about right. And especially with NLP, because you go back to the root cause, right? You know, with NLP, it's often about going back to the root cause and really transforming that um, memory that you have, whether it's a, you know, a negative memory, a painful memory or a traumatic memory, transforming it into something that is a part of your journey, but you don't have to be attached to it energetically in, uh, in an emotional way. And that is one big, big lesson that I've learned with NLP is that I can choose, you know, the parts of my past and reflect on them, but I don't have to be attached to them anymore. They're what brought me to this stage here, to this day here, but they don't define me. And I choose to define them. And this is the biggest lesson I've learned with NLP. Um, and just, you know, connecting this with um, medicine. In medicine, we treat symptoms. We treat the symptoms, but we, we don't treat the root cause of why this is happening. And in NLP, we treat the root cause so that it doesn't become a symptom. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like the reverse of what, you know, traditional medicine is all about. Absolutely, definitely. Uh, something you said that I really resonated with was our past doesn't define us. And I think that is something that's crucial and that we have a choice on how we want to define our past. It's taking that control back into our own hands, you know, and reframing and giving new meaning to those past experiences and so on. One thing that I've realized about myself lately is... And it's been coming up in like things I've watched and stuff. It's like someone like there's a sign that the universe is trying to tell me something that when I think about the person I used to be a, a couple of years back, I have very negative emotions about it because I love the person I am now and I know how much work I, it took to get to this point. So I have very negative thoughts about that. But everything I'm seeing, everything I'm reading is telling me that I have to learn to love that part of myself and who I was. And that's something that I've been, that's been a bit challenging because I'm like, no, he didn't put in the effort. He didn't do this. So why, 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 you know, why does he deserve that? But that's what, that's why when you said it doesn't define you, I guess a very, that's very true. But I guess I just need to figure out a way to reframe, <laughs> reframe that the past and see if I can come up with a more, a kinder way to look at it. 
Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. And that is very meaningful to me because I was at the same stage as you were, as you are right now. And, you know, at some point, but I realized that that person wasn't ready to learn all of this. That person could not comprehend all this knowledge, even if it fell on their lap. And this is exactly what you were saying earlier. If I don't under, like, if I don't understand it, it doesn't mean that you know I, I I shouldn't believe it. So it's exactly that. And sometimes we have to go through those phases in order to appreciate who we are now more than ever. Yeah, I I totally totally agree. I remember you mentioned that you know the difference between uh, medicine and NLP that medicine is quite logical and NLP has a lot more I guess things that aren't I think measurable I think that's what it is it's hard to put like get data on it and make it something tangible that you can take in for someone who's logical like yourself but I'm curious has the your medical background and having that logical brain helped you in your NLP because I the way I see it is you might be more effective at actually putting in the systems, taking all the stuff that doesn't make sense and putting it into maybe a logical process or a system that, you know, helps yourself and like your clients. 100%. You hit the nail on the head. Like, it's absolutely right for me. This logical uh, part of me, which is a big part of me, actually helped me come up with different techniques of my own when dealing with my clients. And also because I can relate to my clients I can relate to who they are. They are in their logic. They're my because the client I serve is someone who is driven, someone who is ambitious, who is now at a stage in their life where their inside or their inner self is not aligned with their outer self. So they're now after achieving all the you know academic accolades, all the you know going through the career ladder, advancing. They are now at a stage where they no longer can stay silent about what's going on inside. And this is my client that I serve, who is the past me. Mm. And um, so, yeah, you know, definitely when it comes to, um, yeah, so definitely logic helped me uh, actually come closer, you know, to the, to the problem without being too attached to it. So that element of detachment in medicine as a medical doctor actually helped me with NLP because it was easy for me to not, not easy, it's, it's, you know, it was less challenging, let's say, to not be in the feelings with my clients because otherwise you won't be able to help, to help them because that's the first thing you're taught as a coach is detach from the feelings and serve your client from a place of, you know, help, you know, being able to help them, but not be in the feeling and the sadness and the emotions and the anger with them. You want to be able to reframe it for them by guiding them. Okay, so it's about empathizing with them and and feeling with them, but not being, I guess, absorbed by the emotion that they're experiencing and being able to have a more objective view of it and to appreciate that that's the feeling and to kind of see it you know from a, like a bird's eye view for example just to see how how to ma- navigate this exactly and you know it is all about uh being able to help them without as you said you know with having this bird's eye view to the problem and it, because at the end of the day as a coach it's not about me it's about them and i have to you know as a coach i have to 
hold the space for this person to speak about whatever it is they want to offload whatever it is that they feel like they need to offload and to find the solutions so if i'm with them inside the pain and the emotion of it i'm not going to be able to see clearly to guide them yeah no i think that's a really really great point i can see for myself that because i've recently started um coaching some people but just you know just to train myself as well and i have i've taken a course so i'm not getting my certification but i'm like let me start practicing and one thing that i've been noticing uh in the couple of sessions that i've had is managing my own emotions in those sessions because you, they might react in a way or they might say things in a way and i'm just like i get it's almost like a frustration. I'm like, but wh- wh- why don't you see what I'm talking about? Do you understand? And it's really, it's been a really interesting experience to try to manage my own, you know, thoughts and try to be as present and hold the space for them to speak and to <clears throat> not be judging them for, you know, why, what they're doing and why they're thinking the things they're thinking. But one thing uh, you said that I loved was aligning your inner self with your outer self. And you have that. I saw it's on your LinkedIn too. I'm like, it's perfect. It's beautiful. Um, but what I wanted to ask you is, why do you think growing up, it's, it seems that society and the way we've all grown up has always been focused on the outer self, not the inner self. You know, it was only once I started getting into personal development and you know, NLP and coaching that I realized the importance of, it's actually the opposite. You know, if you can fix the inner self, the outer self will kind of fall into place. So why do you think it's always been, you know, projected outwards? Um, I certainly think that it is, um, I would like to say that it's mostly cultural. Like, for example, I can give the example of my parents. You know, my parents grew up at an age where your education is your passport to opportunities. So if you're not successful, if you're not, you know, an engineer or a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, a tech person, like, or somebody who's like really, you know, um, a high achiever in their opinion, this is what, you know, having that certificate, having that diploma or degree or, you know, master's degree, PhD, like they want that. Like, you know, so my, when I grew up, my own parents wanted that. And that's why for them, you know, being a medical doctor, even though that my, my dad is actually a doctor and, but they still wanted that for me. So, you know, in a sense, I think it's what they know because you know they this if they knew better they would have actually probably maybe directed us differently but um the the you know the beautiful thing is is once you realize and this is what i think i you know i would love to spread this message more is that our growing up and our conditioning by society by our parents by our community it only should last as long as you are unaware. When you become aware, the blame should completely drop and the responsibility should come in where you are now responsible to change it. Not just for yourself, but for your you know, future kids, if you have them, for your community that you speak to, for anyone who's in your life that listens to you, it is your responsibility to actually tell them that they can be anything and anyone who they want to be. And that, you know, blaming can only take you so far. 
um, you know, we can't really change what we cannot accept. So once we accept that this has been my reality, it has been my, my experience, but I now know better because I learned, you know, new things. I stumbled upon this complete whole new world and now I can change it. I have the responsibility to change. Yeah, I, ah, so much the way you said that. I'm like, yes, 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 100%. I completely agree with you and I resonate with that. Especially, well, I love that you said about the awareness and how at the beginning, until you're, until you're aware, you can, you know, you can be, excused from blaming you know society blaming you know your upbringing blaming parents whatever it might be but once you become aware then you can't do that anymore because now you're now you know so now it's like you said correctly it's your responsibility to make that change for yourself and you know for the future and for the life that you want to have what i've noticed or what i've found interesting is in my journey and getting to where I am now and the person I am and what I believe, when I speak to, for example, my parents, it's almost like we're speaking two different languages. You know, do you know what I mean? And I'm like trying to show them this other side of, I guess, life and the world and so on. Okay, maybe I'm, okay, I'm still young. Maybe they think, oh, he's just naive. He doesn't know, which, which is fair, which is fair. Maybe I don't. I'm not saying I do. But there seems to be a disconnect when we have those conversations, you know, no matter, I think, and it made me think about people who are like older than me, like, you know, my parents age or so on, that it seems that it's a lot more difficult to start changing people's mindsets like around that age or the older that they get. And I don't understand why, because if you're not, will, the way I see it is if you can't have the space to potentially change your mindset you're limiting the cape your capability at i think that's relevant to any age what do you think the reason for that is because change brings about fear because you know confronting the fact that perhaps there are other ways to do what you've been told to do for so long and relearning that can bring about fear so it can also bring about you know, insecurities about, you know, oneself. So it can bring about um, so many insecurities, so many fears. It can also, you know, with our parents and those generations, they would consider themselves uh, as having failed in their parenting because they choose to look at things in a way where the self-blame will always be there. And it is the lack of self-love, the lack of, you know, self-compassion. So initially when I was a coach, I, I, I started having the same conversations with my parents, with people who were older than me, but it almost fell on deaf ears because, you know, who are you to come and tell me, you know, I'm your parent. Who are you to come and tell me, you know, <laughs> this or that? So what I discovered really quickly is that when you initially become a coach, and this is for all the coaches out there, there will be a stage where you want to be the savior and save everybody because you have all this knowledge. You want to help everybody, save everybody. But what I learned very quickly is that you cannot save someone who doesn't want to be saved. You can only model what it is like for them and become that role model and then they will follow. 
my parents are now amazing coaches themselves. <laughs> no way. And in a sense where they now have, you know, become so open to actually, you know, coming and speaking to me and uh, asking me questions and learning and asking me for techniques and even referring me to their friends and, you know, and, and people, their colleagues, literally like yesterday, just yesterday, uh, my mom actually um, asked me to coach one of her friends because she's, you know, been having issues and I did that for her and the friend resonated, my mom resonated, everybody was happy. So it takes time, but when you model that behavior, they will catch up pretty quickly. First of all, the fact that you got your parents to, you know, become coaches or to like appreciate coaching to make that change, you've already won. And no matter what client you get in the future, you've already got the two hardest clients that you're ever going to have and uh, have to have to deal with. And the fact that they're also recommending you now to their friends and stuff. Congratulations. Hopefully one day I can get there. Hopefully one day I can get there. <laughs> you will believe me, you will because and you know, one thing that uh, they loved pretty, you know, early on is hypnosis. They loved receiving hypnosis. And, you know, I was very happy to do it because I needed practice subjects as well. So <laughs> it's a win-win. Uh, one thing you said about when you started uh, NLP and you wanted to, a lot of coaches might try to be the savior. That's definitely a thought that has crossed my mind 100%. You know, once I get these skills and get the certification, I will save the world. But like you said correctly, you can't. You can't help someone that doesn't want to be helped and you can't save someone that doesn't want to be saved. And what I've also learned, because um, when I was taking learning, taking my NLP course and like speaking to my friends about whatever, you know, whatever topics we were talking about, I would try to incorporate what I learned into our conversations to try to show them different perspectives on things. And one thing I learned very quickly is that a lot of people say they want to change you know oh, i want to lose weight i want to become this person and then you're like okay fine when it comes to doing it they don't do it and it's about it's totally different exactly and so it's not about wanting to change it's about being willing to change that is the key and that's what i've learned so it's helped me a lot because sometimes you might be speaking to someone and you can you can figure out very quickly that okay they're saying they want to change but you know they're not going to do it so i just you know like you said i think it's just about being the role model for that person or you know just living your life in the way that you'd like to live it and hopefully they will resonate with that and get to a place that they actually want to start making those changes as well Yes, absolutely. And, you know, good on you for figuring, figuring it out so early on, because, you know, uh, it definitely takes time to understand why doesn't people, why don't people want to change? Like, why don't they, you know, want to receive this knowledge? Like, why, it, it, you certainly, those are the, the questions that I used to ask myself initially, until I realized I'm asking those questions, not from a place of wanting to help, but from a place of judgment. So I needed to look within and ask myself, why am I judging them? Is it because they're reminding me of who I was? Or is it because that I, you know, want to help them? So it's, it's definitely, you know, one of the things that people don't really talk about is how difficult is, you know, the healing. The healing, the journey of healing, the journey of becoming aware 
it is a challenging journey. It can be very difficult. It can be draining. But if you're willing to do the work, the outcome is so worth it. So worth it. And, you know, but that's why most people don't want to do it. It's because, you know, once you start, you can't deny any parts of you. You confront the parts of you that you dislike the most and you dig deeper and deeper. And some days, you know, it can be as difficult as even having positive thoughts, you know, uh, even as coaches, you know, we get negative thoughts like everybody else. If, you know, you know, the, the average human being has, you know, um, 80% of their daily thoughts are negative. And this is the normal. So in order to actually make the 20%, the um you know the 20 percent increase that 20 percent to positivity it takes time it takes effort it takes willingness as you said so yeah so definitely you know people when they're ready they'll come to you yeah i think um i think that's at the end of the day that's the most important thing is when that person is ready and i had a and i had a conversation with some friends recently and i realized that everyone is on their own journey and their own timeline so and i think like you said correctly the judgment that we uh, i felt and you might have felt at the beginning as well is you know you see the potential you see the change that they could make but you just might not be there at the right time it's not be, might, the timing might be a bit off for them to to make to make those changes but what you said about um uh, what was it how a lot of our thoughts, 80% of our thoughts are negative throughout the day. And I've done, you know, I've read about, so I understand why that happens because it's about our reptilian brain. And, you know, we're always like running away from danger. So like, that's why it's all negative and like looking out for that. So it's hard to focus on the positives. But, you know, things like, for example, gratitude is a big one that helps you start, you know, working in that direction. I wanted to ask you when you first how did you like when you first started your coaching business how did you start getting clients what are, what were some of the um, initial like challenges that you started facing because now with me moving in that direction as well um, I'm just curious to hear from a coach what were those experiences like what things should I be maybe looking out for um initially as you know I, I what I did was because that again that logic came in and I knew that I wanted to set a foundation so I wanted to be very clear on what my mission is and why I'm doing this. And then I worked on who is my client and who do I want to serve there, you know, the coaching business or the business in general business. And it's not, it, it's always, you know, um, through testing that you find out what works. So I would say initially the hardest thing was charging for my coaching. You know, that was the hardest thing because, you know, just literally assigning an amount to a service that I feel that I want to give for free. This was the hardest thing because working on my money mindset, you know, that is something that I have to do and work on for a while. I started charging, but I was charging very, um, you know, low prices just because I thought, you know what, like I want to help as many people as I can. So this last stage probably lasted for more than more than six months and then once i realized you know what i actually 
I want to be able to serve more people and to serve more people, I have to have a robust business and be able to have more to give to those people. And my time is definitely worth more. So I worked on that. And I, you know, I also, as a, as a, you know, as a coach, I coach coaches. So coaches work with me and I take them through a 12 week program to start their business and, you know, going through the various stages, just learning from what I want. I get all of my clients on social media, on Instagram. And Instagram has been really, it's, it's, it's been an outlet for me to post and write about things that are, that are meaningful. I share a lot of tips on Instagram as well. I share, you know, the things that I, I do with my clients, techniques, because I believe that, you know, I believe in sharing. I believe in having an authentic voice because at the end of the day, I can always share all the techniques that I use, but that, does that mean that people can apply them as easily as them working with me? No. So I choose to, you know, just educate and share and learn. And uh, all my clients to this day come from Instagram. And, you know, a lot of them come from referrals as well. But I have to say that, you know, 90% of my clients come from Instagram. So sharing on social media is something that I highly encourage everybody to do. Having a, a very clear vision and mission is very important. What is your mission? What is your why? You know, I'm quite fond of the why and why you're doing things because even to, to for any goal in life, you have to have a strong why in order to achieve that goal. So um, another, uh, what, what else is challenging in business? Cha what was challenging is introducing myself as a coach. And this is just coaching 101. You go and you're in, you know, with a group of people because the learning never stops, right? Like any seminar, you go and attend any, um, you know, course, you go and attend any coaching um, community, like you're there. Um, so introducing myself as a coach and what I do was something that was very challenging. It was, you know, like, hi, my name is Ayad and I'm a coach. But then that's not, you know, the right way. Like you want to introduce who you are and who you help. What kind of coach are you? Because there's plenty of coaches out there. What kind of coach, what kind of you know, knowledge are you giving those people? So this is definitely, so that is one thing that coaches really want to be clear on who they are, who they're, uh, you know, who, who, what type of client are you serving? as a coach, if you narrow down your vision and mission and your niche, you don't have to choose a specific niche initially because to, in, in, in the beginning, I started as a generalist because I wanted to have as much experience as I, as I, you know, as I could get. And one of the things that I actually did is, is take it slow. So I started with NLP practitioner. And then after six months, I went for NLP master practitioner. And then after a year and a half, I think, or, you know, I went for the trainer. So I really took my time to learn and really master the techniques that I, uh, I learned at each level before advancing to the next one. And this is something that I find that when you become a coach, sometimes it is very easy to be tempted to collect certificates. And to just go for every single course that is out there. So I have been tempted so many times, but when I realized that I'm really passionate about NLP and hypnosis, then this is where I chose to just keep educating myself in. And um, 
And as a coach, one thing that we should, we, we, you should always, we should always remember that we will never know everything and that we should always remain teachable and open to learning. And this is a, I find that, you know, initially, of course, like you feel like, okay, so now I know all of these things and, you know, I have this knowledge and you, you feel yourself a little bit, but then you quickly realize that, you know, it's very humbling to sit and work with a client who teaches you so much and who their experience mirrors your experience in so many ways. So, yeah, so definitely I would say just to sum up, you know, the challenges, it was charging for my coaching, it was introducing myself as a coach, and niche, finding the right niche for me through working with different clients as a generalist. So those are the initial, you know, I would say the initial challenges. First of all, thank you so much for sharing all, all those with me. That's incredibly insightful. And I've actually thought about every point that you mentioned as well. So I'm like, oh, so it's interesting that these, it seems that this is not, a, it's a, maybe it's a common challenge that people who are starting coaching, like like you said correctly about charging clients. Like, uh, you know, like, I, like you said, you want to just, like you're doing this because you want, at the end of the day, your goal is to help people. So it kind of, it kind of contradicts in a way, I guess it can, to feel that, oh, I'm paying someone for them. They're paying, someone's paying me to help them. You know, I just want to help them at the end of the day. But like you said, in order to have an impact on a larger scale and to help more people, you know, we got to eat, you know, got to make some money, <laughs> you know, to help, to be able to, you know, create a platform, create a community, whatever you're planning to do in the future. So I totally agree with that. And that's something that I've also been like thinking about. I'm like, oh, how am I going to do this? <laughs> so, so. so easy to burn out as a coach, um, especially when you're dealing with, you know, for example, like a lot of my clients have really deep tr traumas, uh, you know, and when helping them with those traumas, I usually like with those clients, I will only take one of them per day because that's all I can handle. So, in, you know, on the long run, it's, it doesn't really make for, you know, a decent living if, you know, if you're really narrowing your time that you can work with people. So in order to serve more people, you know, you want to and make a huge impact, you know, think about Tony Robbins, you'll never hesitate to get a ticket to attend a Tony Robbins seminar or you know any of those amazing coaches it's because we believe in the value that you, they give so when when you give value like you're doing with your podcast and you know educating people and working with people and it's okay to work with people initially for free you know it's totally fine to get those testimonials so that you can have a proof social proof that you're actually a coach you know who helps people so you know initially it's all about testing and just being so kind, super kind to yourself during those moments because it does take time and patience. But when you focus on the value that you're providing and not on the profit, the profit will, the profit will come, you know, like, and you won't even believe that it's coming. You know, focus on the value and the profit will come for sure. No, I, to I totally agree with that. I always think, you know, if you can deliver, if you can put in a bit of extra work, maybe for not what you're being paid for, in the long term, 
that is going to pay off, you know, tenfold. So uh, that's how I think always about paying it forward. So put in the work now, it's not a problem and you're still getting a reward for it. But you don't know what this the value that this will have in like a year's time, two years time. You don't know giving a little bit extra to this client. What how many more doors that could open for you in terms of new potential clients and new audience. So, no, I totally agree with that. Another thing you mentioned that I really resonated with, because it's something I felt when I was uh, starting the podcast and only recently and quite recently as well. Um, but I've, only, I've started to, like, you know, address it and so on, which is um, when you said when you were first starting out as a coach and to say, like, hi, I'm Mayat, I'm a coach. And it's that imposter syndrome, right? It's that. I'm like, and that's what I kind of felt with the podcast. Like people would ask me, um, so what are you doing for work? And I'd be like, um, I don't know if this is I considered work because in my mind, it was just there was I didn't have that. I don't know if it was belief in what I was doing or I didn't give it or appreciate the amount of work I was putting in something like this. And then I spoke to a really good friend of mine and she was like, you're putting in like hours and hours to record and edit and stuff. This is like a job. This is a real thing. So be, you know, take ownership of it and be proud of it. And that was a huge mindset shift for me. But definitely now thinking about going into coaching, I'm getting those feelings are are there. You know, am I a coach? You know, do I do I believe that I'm a coach? Do I have the accreditation, the qualifications, like you correctly said? And the fact that I've gone through this with the podcasting is making this easier, this transition when like starting coaching easier because I'm like, okay, I know how I, I've been there. I, I get where this is coming from. I can address it. But I think imposter syndrome is a big one that you talked about. And the last thing is I was reading, I was actually speaking to, to May about this because this is the perception I always had of, as a coach. And she really gave me a brand new you know outlook on it. I always thought, I'm as a, I'm a client. I'm coming to you. You are my coach. Therefore, you're kind. In my my perception of it is that you are on a higher level than I am because you're the person. You're the expert. You're the person with the knowledge who's going to help me in my you know achieve what I want to achieve. So then you get that assumption that how would you coach someone who's more successful than you, who has earned more money than you, who has done more things you know in their life uh, than you have? And she said it in a such a beautiful way that it's not you and your clients you're on the same level the le what they have accomplished and where you are is irrelevant and it's about are you both is the client willing to make like go on this journey with you and evolve with you and change with you and together so you you're on the same playing field uh, you're on the same level it's not about i'm an expert and you're not that's not what it is it's about developing your relationship and making that change together so that was a huge a huge mindset shift for me and did you feel like what was your perception about coaching when you first started was it similar or yeah first of all i love absolutely love what you said and what may um you know said because it's just so wise it is true we're all on the same level but you know a, co a coach is a problem solver you know it, the client comes to the coach because they know that they can help them solve that problem but it doesn't mean that they know better than them it doesn't mean that they are better than them but if but that person you know has like a coach has the solution for that specific problem that the client has and this is you know my number one advice for coaches is that what is the problem that you're solving for your client and this is your niche and the answer is 100% all the time in your personal story. 
It is always in your personal story. What have you overcome in your personal life that you can help someone else overcome? And overcoming something, it doesn't mean that it has to be tragic. No, it can be that, you know, for example, from my own experience, I was unaligned. And, you know, my inner self was literally something that I didn't even look at. I was always focused on, you know, outward and always focused on the outer self and the image that I portrayed and projected to the world. So this is why I chose this specific client because they are the old me. So I am qualified to solve their problem. And this is where it is very humbling when you keep working with those clients because they teach you so much. You think you've overcome and you've learned? Think again. With every single new client that you help, you learn more and more and more. Yeah, no, I, to I totally agree with that. And I think because i've been reading i've been taking a coaching course online about you know how to start setting up a, a coaching business and developing you know your methodology which i think is something that is that's probably going to be the hardest thing to put into place and it's going to come with experience and with time but they put down <clears throat> sorry six of the assumptions that would stop you from being a coach and each one of them i was like oh yeah that's what i thought that's what i thought that's what i thought so it's been quite refreshing to have those broken and to have a new perspective of it um but in terms of your clients so do you have a a limit on how many clients you'll be managing at a time or how, how what's your mindset behind that and how do you decide what clients to accept and not to accept so uh the one thing that I know for sure is that I want to work five days a week only. And it's very important to me to have two days off because this is the time I need to recharge my, you know, uh, myself and my battery and just really have that life of freedom that I, that I am seeking in a, in a, you know, by having my own business. The second determine, you know, the, the second thing that determines, you know, how many clients I take is how, what is what are the clients like what, what kind of clients am i taking so nowadays i'm drifting apart from those clients because i've and i believe this has a lot to do with my own personal journey i've 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 started to drift apart from the clients who have the deep trauma i've been you know at on one point my journey was all about helping those because i could relate to them i i was a a previous self-harmer and you know, having gone through burnout, so I used to help those types of clients. But now that I'm actually learning more, growing more, healing from, you know, um, all those past, you know, uh, traumas, if you like to call them, I'm now serving the client who is my previous self as well, but the high achiever, unaligned, <laughs> inner and outer. So I now take uh, work five days a week full-time schedule, I will take anywhere between two to three clients per day. My maximum is two unless someone really needs me. And I have turned many clients away before. And what determines me turning a client versus taking them on is how willing they are to do the work. Because when a client comes to me and tells me my, my friends or my family or my spouse or you know my partner tells me that I need to hire a coach. This is not someone I'm going to work with because no matter what we do, if they can't see it from them for themselves, if they can't take accountability, 
then they're not going to be able to take accountability and responsibility for the change. Yeah, <clears throat> sorry. I totally agree with that. And coming back to the accountability part, that was, for me, accountability and taking responsibility was the, I guess, probably the most impactful thing that I had on my life. You know, there was a moment in my life that there was an unfair situation and I was blaming, you know, the situation and other people and so on. And then just, you know, I watched something, my, I watched something online and I just, everything, everything changed in that moment. It's crazy. It's why one of those aha moments, I look back at that moment and that's the reason I am who I am today. And it's when I decided I will take full accountability and responsibility for my life. Will things happen to me that are maybe not fair or so on? hundred percent. But all I need to do is do the best I can and control what I what I can control. And then, you know, I can go to sleep at night, you know, comfortably and to know that I did my best and I have no regrets. But that's something that I try to share with people a lot. That is I think it all, to be honest, starts from there. And once you understand, but what I've also learned in my journey is that sometimes because I'm so determined to take full responsibility and accountability, that leads me to also be sometimes very hard on myself and very critical of myself because, so it's, it's, a ba it's finding that balance, that balance between accountability, but also like, you know, not being so hard on myself. And I think that's a very... It's a very difficult thing to manage. I'm still working on it, still trying to get there. It is for all of us. And it's beautifully sad because we don't ever have to take responsibility for the pain, but we can take responsibility for the change. You know, I can't tell someone who was, you know, and this is an extreme example, but it is something that I've seen in my coaching, someone who's been abused to take responsibility for the abuse, because that's not what, that's not fair. But what is fair is that I don't let that abuse define me. I don't let that trauma define me. I choose to define it and I choose to look at it as something that has happened, but has no um, control over me. So it's beautifully said, you know, I completely agree with you, but finding the balance between being self-critical and just pushing yourself. It's pushing ourselves, right? Because we think, you know, in order to do the work, in order to grow and heal and just be, you know, um, this better version of ourselves, we need to push ourselves and push ourselves. But sometimes pushing can actually make us pause and it forces us to slow down, you know? So it is best to exercise kindness and self-compassion so that you are not forced to slow down and because when you when you're forced to slow down it's not pleasant <laughs> it's yeah. not pleasant at all so yeah <laughs> so it's about yeah like you said having the i guess awareness and self-compassion and you know having positive self-talk that's what that's probably i think no matter who you speak to in the world at the core of it, it's that's the that's the you know that's the issue that so many things come from because we're our own you know worst biggest critic, which but I also think rightly so because I think you should be harder on yourself than anyone else is, but at the same time I think you should also be kinder to yourself than anyone else is too, and that is the and it's that like you said is that you don't want to slow down because for the wrong reasons you want to slow down because you've told yourself you know it's okay take some time off it's okay to you know take a step back 
And as long as you're the one who's initiating it and it's coming from, you have the control of it and it ha- you have the intent, I think that's in the long, like long term, that's the, I guess, cycle that we kind of have to having to go through. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. And, um, you know, I love what you said. It's we are our own worst critics. We are our, you know, our own self, you know, love warriors at the same time. But, you know, one thing that I like to always remind myself is that the world is a mirror and whatever I choose to tell myself, whether it's negative or positive, people will choose, will also tell, you know, speak it to me. So if I'm speaking badly to myself, I will hear it from people, but I will definitely be more upset when I hear it from the outside world. So how about I actually give myself that positive reinforcement and hear positive things inside and outside? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, I we've talked about coaching for a while and it's, I've absolutely loved this and learned so much. And I think this is going to be so, for anyone who's looking to be a coach, this is, I think you can take so much from this conversation. But I wanted to, before we ra- round up for the day, I wanted to uh, get to your podcast that you, you're currently running and to share with everyone else. So why don't you tell us what, the, uh, it's called the Inner Selfie Podcast, I believe. Why don't you tell us what is it about? What was the motivation behind it? And, you know, so people know what's going on. Thank you. Um, well, uh, last year, my friend and I decided to start a podcast. She's a coach, I'm a coach, and we often have these really long discussions. You know, when we, whenever we go, for example, we go for breakfast and it lasts like six hours. And we have so much to talk about. And one day we were, you know, both talking about our, you know, vision for the next, you know, five years. And we both said podcasting. And she was like, okay, let's do it together. And then we decided to go for it and do it together. And we wanted something, a podcast that speaks about the inner self. And since we're in, in a, you know, in an Instagram world where selfies are so important, we like to, you know, play, you know, we just played with the words and chose the inner selfie podcast so that your inner selfie is as beautiful as your outer selfie that you, you know, probably a lot of people just, you know, use filters and Photoshop and all of that you know, good stuff. Um, So our podcast is focused on self-development. It is focused on the elements of emotional intelligence, on self-love, on, you know, confidence, motivation. It is all about self-development and from a perspective of us as coaches, but also most importantly, as humans. We get very, very honest on that podcast and we do, we do talk about our personal experiences and not in a way where we're sitting in the pain, you know, uh, or, you know, just talking about the, the negative stuff. No, but we're actually talking about how we overcame, you know, those experiences and what we learned in the process. And it's been such a rewarding thing to do, you know, recording these podcasts because we've received so much, such, you know, such good feedback. Um, It was downloaded, you know, so many times, you know, thousands of times. And we've been really, really blessed. And it is something that we also wanted to give back. You know, so this is our opportunity because a podcast is something free that everybody could listen to. And this is this was our opportunity to give back to everybody in the world. 
I love the vision behind the podcast and I love the name Inner Selfie. So that's why I couldn't find it, by the way, because I was searching Inner Self. That's why I wasn't able to find the podcast. Okay, but I'm definitely going to check it out now because I like to listen to, you know, different podcasts, get new perspectives and so on. But I love the vision. I love the vision behind the podcast. You know, it's it's similar to why I started the podcast. You know, it's about all about giving back, you know, and because in my journey to of like personal development and growth, I became the person I am because of all the reading I did, because all the podcasts I listened to and all these amazing people that I've never met before that have had such a huge impact on my life and got me to where I am today. So I just kind of wanted to do the same thing like you're doing with your podcast and give back to the world in the hope that whatever a conversation like this or you took something from it that can give you a new perspective, a new tool, a new way of thinking or outlook on the world. And I'm not, I don't need to, the aim is to help as many people as possible, but if I can help one, if one person from any any recording took something, that to me means more than, you know, that's kind of the whole point of it. So it's very rewarding, like you said. Absolutely. And it's it's so wonderful, you know, just you having this platform where you can be yourself and you can speak openly and you can share, you know, it's, and as you said, just if it helps one person, then you've done an amazing job. And I, you know, I wish you the best of luck and I have thoroughly enjoyed this chat today. And I, you know, it is just so nice to be able to speak with, you know, a like-minded person who is so passionate about self-development and also, you know, very open in sharing your own, you know, struggles and, you know, uh, and challenges. So it's been such a pleasure and thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Dr. Ayat. I've absolutely loved this conversation. I thought we connected on so many different levels and I loved hearing your journey and your experience. It's been super helpful for me. I think a lot of people can take something from this. Uh, the last thing I'd like to ask all my guests is what's the message you'd like people to go home with today? Um, that's a really good question. I would love for people to speak to themselves the same way they would speak to someone they love. I think, you know, that because that is the beginning of everything. You know, speaking yeah. kindness into themselves. Speaking kindness into themselves. You heard it here, guys. It's perfect. Dr. Ayat, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. To everyone listening, thank you so much. And as always, hope it helps. Peace.